A woman walks into a library and asks if they had any books about paranoia. The librarian replies with, They're right behind you! (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Movie Nosh with Mike and Josh, where each episode we sink our teeth into a different movie feast. This week we've got three films to review. Um, What are you reviewing? (coughs) My terrible end of Man Fluke Off. Um, I'm going to be reviewing The Dark Tower, which is based on the Stephen King novel, as well as Wind River, which is not based on a Stephen King novel. Right, and I'm doing Gerald's Game, which is based on a Stephen King novel. Yeah, I feel like there's a a weird kind of mashup vibe to this week's episode. Mashup. Mashup. Big nosh mashup. I can't do... Mashup. Hey! Is that... Yeah, that was pretty London. Oh, fuck knows. Anyway, roll the theme tune. So, episode 10. Can you believe it? I mean, not until you told me just now. No, it's it's unbelievable. That's how much I can't believe it. Um, So... Celebrate episode 10. Let's start off with some Josh's movie news with our world famous theme tune. Movie news, it's movie news, it's Josh's movie news. Uh, shouldn't bang on the table while we're recording, should we? I'm going to create more and more verses to this, by the way. <laughs> Next week I'll have a, a, a bridge. Sweet. Um, so, I guess for me, world's biggest news in movie at the minute is um, the Star Wars trailer. Oh, it was good. It came out on Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah. You messaged me at like 5 40 in the morning <laughs> with the trailer. Yeah, you, I, was, I was a bit excited for it. Did you stay up for it? Did you set an alarm? No, that's where I woke up. I woke up and thought, Star Wars trailer, and then checked, and it was, it was, because it was happening. Did you just randomly wake up? Oh, I wake up at six. Oh, at five, so five. My body must have thought, you know, it's yeah, nearly yeah. time. Because it was, it was aired in America, uh, who are eight hours ahead of us, behind us, sorry. <laughs> so, great maths. But decades behind us in terms of racial equality and yeah. rights for women. Yeah. Um, and the lack of pussy grabbing. <laughs> Apparently, it's rife over there. You can't walk. We do have Jimmy Savile. I feel like. Yeah, that's true. Mm, I, drove past his, I drove past his house. Did you? In Scotland, yeah. It's got graffiti all over it saying, F you, kitty pussy. Does anybody live there anymore? If they do, they must be vexed. <laughs> Constantly repainted. Yeah, fuck's sake. Like, he doesn't live here anymore. I just bought it because it was cheap. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like the <coughs> tracksuit collection. <laughs> um, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, I, it's not. I, I, is alright. Yeah. Um, I much preferred the um, Force Awakens trailer. The moment I first watched the Force Awakens trailer, I mean, I was absolutely blown away. I think it's my favourite trailer that I've ever seen. It made me cry. Yeah. And you know what's weird? Even after watching the film, I went back and watched the trailer again, and it still made me want to cry. The bit that made me cry was the Millennium Falcon when it comes in with the Han and Leia thing. Yeah. And it does a flip. I know why. It's the music. Yeah, That's I mean, where the music crescendos, and it's like the old um, Tales of a Jedi Knight. That bit. It's just crazy. I can't believe that it's had that much of an effect on me. I actually felt more like a loser than I normally do watching the trailer and realizing it had an emotional effect on me. Emotional. Emotional. Emotion. Which has never happened before. I reckon they've unlocked some kind of like note combination in music that brings incredible emotion to you because it's the exact same moment for me and I reckon 
It's somehow. Don't carry on. It's like um, Pavlov's dog. Yeah. yeah. You play those tunes and everybody just starts weeping. Just, I mean, you could be right. <coughs> um, I was trying to break down the trailer and have a look at it. And it's sort of trying to elude that maybe at some point Ray's going to turn to the dark side and it's going to be with the help of Kylo Ren. We saw a little bit more of Snoke. Oh, Grandmaster yeah. Snoke. see him rather than just his... Yeah, and his gold blazer. I mean, it's strong his head vagina. He has got a head vagina. Um, and you see what looks like Kylo Ren about to kill his own mother, which is, well, it's believable because obviously, spoiler alert, he kills Han Solo, he's dead. It's dastardly, that's what it is. But it'd be an interesting way if that's how they they get Carrie Fisher to exit the movies, do you know what I mean? I reckon what's going to happen is that he doesn't do it. Mm. Uh, what's the ginger bloke called? Um, you know what, I can't remember. I know the actor, it's Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson. I reckon he does it. I reckon Kylo Ren's about to do it. Can't go through with it because because he's still good in him. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he has <coughs> that bond with uh, with his mother, mm. and then he does it, and that causes Kylo Ren to go on a ginger killing tangent, <laughs> uh, where he hunts down every ginger in the galaxy. It's just like with the Sand People and Anakin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, I've, I've not watched it yet, but. Have you seen it? The one where there's a video of Carrie Fisher's dog watching the Star Wars trailer. I don't think it's. A, I saw a picture. It's quite sweet. It's just Carrie Fisher on 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 the screen in her uh, Leia regala, mm. and then uh, the dog is just looking at the screen. Super you, sad. You can't see the dog's face, so no. Or you just see its ears from behind. It could be any dog. It could be. How any. would I know that that's Carrie Fisher's dog anyway? Apart from it's got that weird tongue hanging out all the time, like its tongue's too big for its head. Well, we all have that, don't we? Oh yeah. Um, what else have we got? We have... Jared Leto apparently doesn't know if he'll return to Suicide Squad 2. I think the world would be a better place if he didn't, really. Because I think it was a bit of a naff character um, arc and character change. Not wasn't that fussed about it, really. What about you? Um, I mean, I've, I had... The, I've, I say I've seen the film. The film was on and I was in the room. Mm-hmm. But I lost interest so quickly <laughs> that I don't actually remember his... Joker at all yeah um, I just thought he was a bit m- maniacally camp mm. which is the worst kind of camp it's not the best kind it's not your kind you can't beat oh thanks <laughs> um, and what was the other one that I, I read before on the tube that they finished filming the new X-Men Dark Phoenix film already what the fuck is Dark Phoenix it's um so you you know the most recent one the apocalypse one, Age of Apocalypse whatever no. it's called. Oh, is this the young people? Yeah yeah the yeah, young, yeah. Okay, So it's, yeah. it's that carried on, but they're going back to the whole Jean Grey being the Phoenix thing. Oh yeah yeah. So they're going back to that and they'll probably fuck it up even more. Um, but also what finished wrapping is Deadpool two already. Oh I know I'm really looking forward to that. I was just about to say I'm I'm done with Marvel and then you bring that out and I'm yeah, actually but four's coming out. Ragnarok yeah yeah and that that I think will. <laughs> so it's trailers this year. It is. I reckon the soundtrack's probably going to be sick as well. I'm really looking forward to that. Music. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've talked long enough. That's Josh's movie news for the week. Movie news. That was movies news. That was Josh's movie news. <laughs> Sponsored by Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
Right, let's get on some movie reviews. Um, so, this week I'm reviewing two movies, you're reviewing one. Um, and the first film we're going to be reviewing is The Dark Tower. I'm very excited. I caught wind of this movie a few, maybe a year ago, <laughs> and was very excited by the um, promotional pictures of Matthew McConaughey. It's uh, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, Idris Elba. Because they are great actors, and um, and I liked them in the things that they've that they've been on previously. Mm-hmm. Luther, for yep. example. The Wire. And oh yeah, definitely The Wire. And yeah. and True Detective, which I was watching, I think at the time, and I was oh, very excited. The first see season of True Detective was oh, fucking oh, fantastic. Oh. Um, so I was very excited to see it. I've not read the books, but I've heard they're great. Um, and I want to read them, but should I just not read them and watch the film? Ha, you're like setting me up for this one. <laughs> setting me right up. So I have read all the books. I've read the main seven, and I've read- There are seven? There's seven. Oh, fuck that. And up. they're all gigantic. They put this like over 3,000 pages to read, apparently. Um, I'll just watch the movie. There's, even, there's an eighth one called the, the Wind Through the Keyhole, which is like, came out after them, um, but it's, it's kind of set. It's, it's an old tale of Roland when he was younger. Um, anyway, so this is coming from the perspective of someone who is a giant Kino on the books. Like, I love the books. They're probably my favourite saga ever in a book series. Better than the Old and New Testament. Um, the Old Testament comes close. Yeah. Because, you know, biblical Great proportions ending. and Great stuff. Great ending. But this wipes the floor of it shit me. Fuck Noah's Ark. Well done, Stephen. Um, it's great. This, this, the Dark Tower is Stephen King's magnum opus. It's his, like, it's his main work. It started like way back in the 80s, I think, when he first started writing them. When he was... And he only finished it, the last one in 2012. There were people who were reading the book series and died before it finished, begging to know what the ending was and wrote him letters and stuff, and he never did because he didn't know what the ending was at the time. Kind of made it as he went along. And one of the main bits of magic about this this book series is that he ties in a load of his other books as well which you were mentioning before when we were slightly talking about Gerald's game where uh, Salem's Lot a main character in that comes into it Um, there's references to it there's references to The Shining is a massive part of it really? yeah yeah so that that all comes together in the books how? how? well you'd have to read them (laughs) it's it's, the thing the thing with The Dark Tower is the thing with The Dark Tower is it is gigantic it's got all these references from all the books at the end of the day what it really is is it's like a fantasy mixed with a spaghetti western because the main um, character is Roland Deschane known as a gunslinger think of him as um, as like one of the the knights of the round table that kind of mythic lore to it Um, but mixed with Dirty Harry yeah and his um, arch nemesis known as the the man in black who was called at the start of the film uh, the books in the, the movie, they say he's one of his real names, one of them, which is um, Walter Paddock, also known as Walter O'Dim. Some great fucking names in this. Roland and Walter. Um, <laughs> in fact, in the, in the book, Stephen King actually puts himself in the book at one point. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, like, it's all over the place, but it's, it's crazy good in the best way. People who love these books are obsessed with them. Um, so they decided to get all that and put it into a movie of an hour and 35 minutes. Seems doable. I can see why they've done that. <laughs> oh, I've been holding this in for like a day. 
But I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I fucking uh, hate like it well, takes a lot to, to put hate inside me, and it and it this one does it. And I put the blame on um, a few people. Sony, they can go fuck themselves after yeah, this. They're not great with movies, are they? No, they can be real. Like they they screwed up Spider Man mm. to the point where Marvel had to rescue them. And then I very firmly blame Nikolai Arcel, who is the director. Who weirdly did the girl with the dragon tattoo, and I don't mean the new one with Daniel Craig. I mean the original Swedish oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's the only thing of note he's really done. He's done some other series, but that's it. And you can kind of tell that he wasn't really a fan of the books. He didn't really understand it, and he didn't really think it was cool. Is that his job though, or was it the screenplay? <laughs> so that's the other person I would blame for this. <laughs> no one escapes. Josh's it's the writer. Play. I don't think I wrote the writer down. I wish I had. Whoever you are, writer, fuck you. That's Mr. all I can say. Mr. R. McDonald. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it had potential, but it just it was felt lazy. So the only film I can kind of really compare this to that made me feel similar was uh, the most recent Fantastic Four film, which I think I've told you about oh, when yeah, I watched it. Yeah. And you can tell at the exact point in the Fantastic Four film where they gave up on it and thought, this movie's going to be shit. And I feel like this film was the same, but they knew it from the start. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not quite as bad as Fantastic Four because that one really did just go. Ah, that, but that's because the director ended up leaving Josh Trank, I think it was, and and just being like, no, wash my hands of this because he didn't want it attached to his name. Or the Nikolai ourselves can go into any interview and go like, oh yeah, you know, this this could turn into a franchise. Fuck you. Yeah. Is that what? Is that how he reckons there's going to be more to come? However, there is. So what they are going to be doing is taking one of the books um, called Wizard and Glass which is, I think it's the third or the fourth book in the series, but it's actually a prequel in a way. It goes back and tells the story of Roland from his youth, and um, they're going to turn that into a TV series. A TV series. It sounds like this was supposed to be, <coughs> from the offset, it would have should have been a TV series. Yeah. Spanning many, many years. And there's no reason why it couldn't have been, because if you look at all the TV shows now, all the great TV shows, look at Game of Thrones, for God's sake. It, the reason it might not work is just because it's so the books are like really weird the concepts in there of traveling between like worlds and dimensions um it just well that's not nothing new but the, when they mix that in with dark fantasy really like horrific violence and horror that kind of stuff it's a tough one to swallow um but the fans are fans for a reason so it will work as i can see it working as a tv show with the right you know team behind it but as a movie, this was fucking awful. And the weird thing is, you've got Idris Elba as the lead character, Roland Duchesne, the gunslinger. And you've got Matthew McConaughey, oh, I can't say it, Matthew McConaughey as the big baddie, um, Walter Paddock, the man in black. And even they don't really try. And I think, like, there isn't much they could have done because the script was so poor. The, the only thing that kind of rescues it a little bit is there's a, a fight scene where Roland, this gunslinger, is doing some crazy shit with guns. Like he's throwing um, like a pack of six bullets up in the air and catching it in his gun and he's turning around and firing. And you think you see it in the trailer if you've seen the trailer. Yeah. Um, and that's the only thing that made it look good. Like there was some okay set design, but then some of the other set design was just really poor and like it just, there's nothing to this. There's hardly anything in this scene. It doesn't look real because it just. It, I don't know but the what about the CGI was they no there was there was points I think I might have written something down but the <coughs> CGI was just absolutely fucking awful oh yeah 
Um, there's like kind of one of the main baddies from the books called Sayer. He's played by the same actor who plays Rorschach in Watchmen. Oh yeah, that was Ginger Guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name. He's barely in it. But when he dies, he gets hit by a car. <laughs> and it, not only does it come out of nowhere, and it seems really pointless and kind of like an insignificant character's just been snuffed out with hardly any effort. But the CGI then was so bad that even I noticed it. Remember last week you were talking about with movies that you noticed the CGI? Yeah. If I noticed it, it's fucking shocking. So it's very hard. It, I mean, they missed out so many great things from the books because they wanted to shove it all into one. I, I feel like it was in, in production for so many years they were just like, fuck it, let's just do it. Do you know what I mean? Do you reckon they just made it to set out some feelers to see what uh, what response it would get from the... Not necessarily a response, but in how many people Interest. draw into the cinema. Well, potentially, yeah, because if you think about it, you had um, that Valerian film recently, oh, yeah, yeah. which looked... Like visually awesome. I don't know if it was because I've still not seen it, but that bombed because people didn't really know the material that much. So they kind of want to test it and see if it's mm. like that before it goes full whack. But I think if you're someone like Sony, you've got the chance to. And if it's material like this that's so rich and so amazing and already has a gigantic um, fan base, plus it's a Stephen King novel as well, so you automatically get interest just by putting his name on there. And I'm, I'm a bit a bit annoyed with Stephen King more than anything for saying that the movie wasn't that bad. Because it was. Is that what you said? Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Nobody else has said that they <laughs> thought it was a pretty good movie. He's like the only person in the world. It's that fucking shit. The more I hear about Stephen King and the more exposed I am. I read The Shining last year. Mm. Uh, and then obviously there was It earlier in the year. And then I've watched a Stephen King film today. The more I think he's off his fucking rocker. Oh, yeah. Look, he's he, he used to be like uh, quite a big alcoholic and he worked through that. I think he had a cocaine problem. What's that? In that he took cocaine. Oh, I thought you said... I, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, my hearing just went then. I heard you said, echo cane problem. Oh, as yeah. if it was discovered by two scientists called Echo and Kane. Oh, right, okay. I was like, what's that something to do with your hearing that makes you an alcoholic? I don't know. How my brain went down that track, I don't know. But Magnificent thing. He, oh, he had a cocaine problem. Well, I guess like being famous in like the 70s probably does that to you. Just being famous, I think. <laughs> So, like, normally we'd go into, like, here's some movie trivia, because there's loads you could talk about this. Like I said, with, with Stephen King in this book series, it ties together all these his other books and combines it into one mega universe. And you've got that in Gerald's game later on, like you yeah. said. And there is that in here. But fuck this movie so much, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to go into all the little references and all the cool little fan things, because fans will watch this movie and go, fuck you for making this film. So, as somebody who's not read the book, should I watch this? No, don't watch the film, it's terrible. Don't but watch it a million percent uh, read the books in fact my brother said to me just don't even bother watching this but I felt like because I was <laughs> such a fan of the the um, the books and because there was nothing else to watch really you were tempted I, I just had to and for this Suffered. movie podcast for me to be able to say that I am a professional <laughs> podcaster I mean I think it would take a lot of firstly an income for you <laughs> to say that but um, okay I won't watch it then yeah do you want to know my uh, popular rating please one out of ten one. One. So this is, I, I, I know this is going to be swayed by the fact that I'm a massive fan of the book, so I'm just even like more it. annoyed by it, but it's pushed me to that point that I'm giving it a one. It's awful. Don't bother watching it. it. It could have been way better, but a million percent read the books. Right. Yeah. How many poppadoms would you give the books? All the poppadoms. I mean, they have problems, so and like nine and a half out of ten. Right, with a, with a mango chutney and a... <laughs> cool mint dip on the Maybe side. an onion barge on the side. Yeah. yeah.
Well, 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 moving on, but sticking with Stephen King, I reviewed Gerald's Games. It's available on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directed by Mike Flanagan, who did Ouija, Origin of Evil. I've not seen that. No, but apparently it's very scary. There's adverts. Um, there's a trailer for the film where people were seen fleeing theatres. Really? It's so scary. Um, but I think he, um, I think he has something in marketing where he does this because this film was introduced to me through an article that said that people were passing out through one scene. Did I not send you that article? You did, <laughs> but you weren't. <laughs> so it was introduced to you by me. Yes, is what I was trying to get at. Um, so it stars Carla uh, Gugino. Gugino. Uh, Carla, the mum from Spy Kids. Mum from Spy Kids. She's also in Sin City and Watchmen. Oh yeah. Um, and a good performance from her, I think. I'll come on to that later. Mm. Uh, and Bruce Greenwood, who is probably the hardest working man in Hollywood because he's been in so many films as like a character actor. You don't really notice it's him, but you kind of say, oh, oh it's him. I know him. And you don't recognise his name. He's the president in Kingsman 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh. And just a word on this man. He's 61. He has the most phenomenal body I've ever seen for a 61-year-old. I think I need to see this. Oh, oh, he was in Star Trek when it rebooted. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't know okay, who played. Yeah, he was. He was the. He was the Captain Pike yes, on the first Pike, ship. Pike, Pike. That's yeah, it. that's the one. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so the film. Um, the summary of the film is that the the married couple are trying to spice up their their love life, and they go to their m- uh, remote lake house in the middle of nowhere. Um, Jesse uh, is the main character. She uh, has to fight to survive when her husband dies unexpectedly leaving her handcuffed to the bed frame. So first thing I thought of when I, when I read this was that it would be like Saw, where somebody wakes up um, attached to something that they can't free themselves from and they have to figure out how to do it. Um, but it wasn't like that at all. I went into the film blind because I've not, I've not read uh, Gerald's Game. Um, and it was more of a drama, I think, than a horror, really. Right. Despite hearing that there was a scene that was making people pass out and... Um, it was just through through intense gore and it was a gory scene but the film isn't a horror film I wouldn't call it a horror film mm. I'd say it's a, a drama about a woman facing her demons really? yeah and is it in that sense a little bit like 127 hours? ooh yeah mm. I can't really remember 127 hours but he replays his life through his head doesn't that's he? that's what yes, I'm saying yeah there. yeah so yeah there's, there's definitely aspects of that um, the movie I felt uncomfortable for probably about 80% of this movie wow if you've got anxiety issues um, I would not recommend watching this movie because really? I I have no anxiety issues whatsoever but now um, you do and I was <laughs> I was cringing for a lot of it and felt uncomfortable through the subject matter even the gory scene the scene uh, even that was difficult to watch but it wasn't people who pass out at stuff like that I mean They've obviously never it's seen. Get over themselves. They've never seen House of Dead from you know the eighties. That, that was. Um, Is that a Rob Zombie one? No, sorry, I mean the Evil Dead. Oh, Evil Dead. Yeah. And oh some, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, years have gone by and the makeups have gotten better. Mm. Um, it just addresses some issues that aren't nice to talk about: mental and physical abuse. Um, there's some very one scene in particular stood out to me, and it's it's a scene. It's a child abuse scene. And that I felt harder to watch than the gory scene that everyone's talking about. Yeah. Because it's just very uncomfortable subject matter that you don't like facing. It's not nice to be presented with. And I found parallels with that and the character who's been um, 
not facing her her issues basically and you can see why I mean it's not nice to watch it uh, from a from an outsider's point of view let alone to live it and then address the issue so you can see why she's not been uh, not been facing her her demons it's good imagery in the film lots of uh, lots of talk about an eclipse that's happening and it shows you you always go you flash back to the to the eclipse she because she's handcuffed to the uh, bed she's always she's taking basically Christ the Redeemer's pose you know mm. uh, as he's up there on the crucifix um, and she starts to hallucinate as she's um, coming to terms with her situation uh, she sees herself and she sees Gerald her husband who um, they appear almost like good conscience and bad conscience um, and you, that's when you start to realise that the film is a bit supernatural uh, typical Stephen King yeah. yeah so it starts off and you don't think it is and then as soon as the action starts about 15 minutes in you start to think oh okay I get this she's mental and she's seeing things um, and then it plays on, on that even further by introducing things that you're not sure whether she is seeing or not or they are actually happening mm. um, and it's it's quite uh, it's quite good at making you second guess yourself in the same way that she is as she's going through this journey some bits were cringeworthy I couldn't tell I say that she does a good performance I at the start of the film I was a bit bored mm. and I felt that her acting was a bit <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was just the character that I didn't like yeah. I don't like her I think she's a bit she's a bit too subservient to to Gerald her husband um, but then as it goes on you seem you, you realise why you realise why she's this character and I think she does actually do a good good performance in the end um, there's, a, there's some really good performances from uh, young child actors in this as well uh, uh, you go back in time and see her as a kid mm. uh, that was quite um, impressive um, at the end I don't really want to spoil it because you should watch this film Yeah, you really should is it a good ending? it's a rushed ending mm. there's a powerful mass- uh, message at the um, admittedly rushed ending uh, where she faces her trauma in its multiple guises and she says you're not as big as I thought and that's quite a powerful way to end the film actually um, and apparently this is, this film is pretty much verbatim for the book mm. it's a very very good adaptation although like I can't. A, a shot for page yeah oh, coin that term but I can't, shot for page. I can't attest to that because I've, I've not really read the, book. read the book but um, I do want to read the book now actually alright oh, okay that's always interesting yeah after, even though it's shot for shot maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't bother um so I liked it. I liked it despite its flaws uh, and despite being a bit slow and at times not sure if, if I could decide whether the acting was good or not. Um, they have flashes of brilliance, the, the young the young kids. They're not crying on demand. I don't know how kids do it these days. <coughs> so by the end I was intrigued and, 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 it, and it did move me emotionally and made me uncomfortable, which is great. You know, that's a good piece of, of, uh, of theatre if, if it moves you to feel things where other than anger... <laughs> a shit adaptation yeah, to a book yeah I mean I like a film that can make me feel something but not inadvertently make me feel something yeah exactly. yeah. so it's difficult <laughs> to watch at times and the start is a bit dull but it's a good film and I'd give it 7 out of 10 uh, okay. I did initially say 6 I'd give it 6.5 out of 10 I think you should watch it it's difficult to watch so, but it is interesting, and I, and I liked the um, I liked that it toyed with me, and, and I started to disbelieve what was real, and assumed what wasn't 
what was real to not be real mm. and it's an interesting it's an interesting look into somebody's psyche in desperate times yeah I always like the, the slight pangs of um, supernaturalness that Stephen King throws into them I remember reading Pet Cemetery, and that sounds that starts off like a completely normal thing and then the supernatural bit just comes out of nowhere and completely blindsides you're like fuck is this kind of book yeah, yeah. so um, yeah it's it's yeah that's just why I like Stephen King's style though and I always like how I don't know if he does it in this film but these books he always says like but they didn't know that in three days they'd be dead like that you know like where he tells you that something bad's yeah, gonna happen yeah. so you know it's coming and it kind of makes you worry about it a bit more oh, anything like that in this yeah fair play to the movie it, it definitely did a lot of that I mean there's a driving uh, towards the house I mean I was picking up on on a lot of the things that seemed to be on the peripheries like there's a radio playing and what's on the radio is, is foreshadowing what's going to happen love a foreshadowing and <laughs> and there's a lot of it um, all the way through you, you, you see lots of lots of hints as to what's going to happen yeah but at the same time a lot of the stuff that you're shown you kind of think oh well, that's not really that important mm. and then it turns out it is oh it's Mr. Robot so definitely watch it but don't watch it if you're in any way anxious I because it's hard. having my uh, dinner with my flatmates tonight and normally we watch a film after that is this the sort of movie that you'd watch in that situation or is it more no no okay no. And also, it made me realise that my my resolve to live is nowhere near as high as it should be. Mm. Like she really wants to live, whereas I'd probably just be like, "This is my life now." There is um, there's a theme of that in the next movie I'm going to talk about. So that is a nice segue. Fuck a duck. How do we do that? Onto this might be our best podcast yet. It's like instruction <laughs> for once. So yeah, um, in a, a really nice clean segue, uh, the next film I'm going to talk about is Wind River, which we will dedicate to Mummy Wakeham. Oh, she finally gets to hear a review. I don't know if she even knows what a podcast is. Has she, has she seen the, the film? Is that why she wanted it reviewed? I don't know. No. I just told her that I'd done a podcast and she went, oh, review Wind River. And then I, I think I was on the way Maybe, out. Maybe, I don't know whether it was a book or not, but... I should have researched that really. Mm. Um, let me tell you a bit about Wind River. So, um, it was written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. Now, I don't really know that name. It's because he's not done very much. However, it's a bloke. He's yeah. Oh. He um, he's he's mainly been a writer, and one of the things he wrote was Sicario. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was like one of his first major ones. But then he also did one called Hell or High Water. Really good film. You seen it? Yeah, fantastic film. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm excited. It's like Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine in that yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really want to watch it now because, I, and you know, I've still not seen Sicario, so I need to watch all three because this is apparently kind of there's some kind of theme in there that I don't really understand because I've not seen the other two films, but you'll get it. Um, so yeah, Taylor Sheridan, uh, him as a writer and a director, I always think it's quite interesting when people do that because you know most of the time people tend to be sort of. Um, jack of all trades but a master of none but um, I actually think he did a really good job on this and it also involves Jeremy Renner as the the lead alongside Elizabeth Olsen really it's it's a film about Jeremy Renner mainly um, he plays a, a wildlife officer called Corey Lambert um, he's basically like a hunter so when there's wolves eating livestock and there's, there's mountain lions killing people he'll go off and hunt them Jesus and it's set in Wyoming during the spring season which is just basically like snowstorms constantly like 
it's the, the sort of setting. This this film feels to me like a bit of a mashup between The Revenant and True Detective. It's that that um that sort of man versus wilderness as well as um the man versus man that kind of dark detective murder mystery type thing. And basically, um, the the synopsis is that uh, Corey Ram uh, I can't say it, Corey Lambert played by Renner. He's this wildlife officer and he finds the body of an 18-year-old woman on an American Indian reservation in snowy Wyoming. But when the autopsy reveals that she was raped, FBI agent Jane Banner, who's played by Elizabeth Olsen, uh, arrives to investigate. Teaming up with Lambert as a guide, the duo soon find that their lives are in danger while trying to solve the mystery of the teen's death. So it's a heavy one. It's, yeah. it's not... This is a this is a sad film. and But it's very... It's real... Sad as in a lot. There's a lot of sadness in the film, although the characters are very melon. You know, the melancholy. Um, bit of both, really. It's 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 a film about a few things. It's it's um the how horrific man can be, especially in like really bad uh, bad conditions, um, and and what what that can lead to. It's, it's about sexual assault. It's about the people grieving when that happens to someone and how it doesn't ever really leave you Jesus. and how you can, you know, continue going on and support other people, all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of heavy, and as I said, it's, it's a real film. So there's no like happy plot twist at the end. I'm not going to give anything away by that, but it's, it's not like it didn't feel formulaic. It didn't feel like a Hollywood film. In fact, my main criticism of this felt like it, 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 it when you're trying to sort of, balance that line between real artistic license and you know incredible storytelling versus um real life this is a situation that happens yeah um it's 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 hard to get that exact balance right i feel like it could have gone a little bit more towards the hollywood side of things just to flesh it out a bit because it felt to me like the script was just a little bit thin that's all that's the only criticism i've got of this film however the acting is some of the best acting i've ever seen even from old four arms and four arms. Himself. Jeremy Renner is incredible in this film. Wow, he really is. He stars as uh, the the main lead protagonist, and what sets him apart. And I don't think this is very spoilery, but his um, his daughter um, dies in a party maybe three years ago. Him and his wife go out and and stay in a hotel and, and leave her to look after the son for the night. And she throws a house party and some people turn up and they don't ever really explain what happens because apparently he doesn't know what happened. And it's so when this girl dies, and he knows the girl as well, and he knows the family and the father, um, he's been through this already. So really, it's personal for him. It just got personal. Yeah. But not in a cheesy way. Um, and so it brings it all back for him and all his grief and how he handles this. And yeah, it's this, it's that's the kind of theme of it. But as I said, you've got this twist of like, you know, going against nature as well because basically the way this girl dies is it's, it's like no one actually physically kills her it's when she's running away that she's running through snow in the middle of the night and she runs six miles barefoot in freezing conditions and this is the bit that I was talking about this will to survive they really pick up on it and say this girl was a fighter and what kills her is that the air is so cold that minus 20 degrees apparently as you breathe in your um uh, what are they called? Alveoli? No. Bronchioles. Yeah, the, the little bits, the, the sacs in your lungs um, end up freezing 
Yeah. Because of the air. And then then you can start bleeding from it and then you just end up drowning in your own blood. Jesus. Yeah. So that's, to go. that's how she dies. And that, that's right at the start of the film. So there's no spoilers <laughs> in that. So yeah, it's dark. It's dark. Um, there was a surprise uh, appearance by John Byrne. I can't say it. John Bernthal. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was in The Walking Dead. He's the Punisher in the latest sort of Marvel TV yeah, yeah. series. Um, he's in loads now, he's, Yeah, he's been, he's been in loads of stuff. I feel like he's getting more and more popular. He was in the film for maybe five minutes. Right. Yeah, like I was trying to look and see what his character was going to be while I was watching the film. Just had the actor's name, but it didn't have a who's cast as. So that was quite interesting. Um, maybe it was before he got, you know, any gravitas was attached to his name. Maybe, but like he was in that first season, The Walking Dead, first and second season, The Walking mm. Dead. So I think he, like he was big enough from that point. Took and he has been in stuff. He was in Baby Driver as well. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, the the soundtrack was absolutely phenomenal because it was Nick Cave and Warren Ellis from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. That's very impressive. It I like is a bit of Nick. Yeah, because I didn't know that whilst I was watching the film, and I just remember sitting there thinking, "This is a really nice soundtrack." At times, they've got like. Um, a fiddle or a violin I think it's a fiddle in the background doing some really sort of sombre music it reminded me a lot of The Witcher actually oh. for the video game nerds out there <laughs> not quite as like hyper as that um, but just those you know like when you're walking through a, a rural town and they've got a bit of a, a fiddle playing in the background not like <laughs> but just really low more sombre than that sombre stretched out string sections um, it was great and there's even some singing in it I thought this, this is a bit of a weird one but he just basically says the same three lines over and over again but it's, it sets the mood perfectly and it's a really good backing and then when I was writing up my notes yesterday on the podcast I was just listening to it in the background and it was really nice actually it's good, good, uh, good music to concentrate to if even if it makes you feel a bit sad <laughs> I'll give it a download then there was a few points that I wrote down you could really I like the character that uh, Jeremy Renner plays and the amount of level of detail that he knows about the wilderness and tracking people and he basically ends up helping out the FBI agent because the problem that Elizabeth Olsen has in this is that um, she gets sent there because she's the closest agent to the to where it is um, and she comes all the way from like Texas or something like that um, and so she gets there and she listens to the autopsy and the guy says, um, yeah, this is how she died, a lung scrose, it was a pulmonary embolism, but something like that. Um, and she goes, so you're going to write murder on the death certificate? And he's like, no, I can't. It's because technically she wasn't yeah. murdered, even she though the circumstances dead. led to her dying means it's a murder. But as a death, you could write down murder. And because of that, she can't call in support from the FBI. So there's all this red tape that's keeping her behind. But she stays there because she wants to, to solve it. And she wants to, to break the case because just as a person she's you know actually cares because there are some people who actually care about their job yeah yeah and it's, it's you know it's not exactly you don't rush into wanting to solve a person's no. rape and murder because you know who really wants to deal with that um, not as in like it's too much effort but like it's so dark yeah, that you're yeah. gonna it's a horrible thing to have to deal with I always find in, uh, in movies where where the, the protagonist's motives are that's my job yeah. it's like uh, yeah but you know you can get another one yeah you don't need to do that like whose life is, is is revolved so heavily around their job that they'll put their life at risk? Well, not you apparently. Not me. Your no. will to live is. I mean, I don't put my lunch at risk, <laughs> let alone my life. <laughs> um, there was there, so there's a few intent. There's an intense scene. They actually show um, the rape scene. I always feel like it's worth mentioning that to people who watch the film because it can oh, be quite harrowing. That some people just 
won't watch a film if um, if they see that kind of thing in there. So if that's the sort of thing that would make you not want to watch a film, probably either watch this film and skip that part if you can, or or just don't watch it because it's 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 tough to watch, and I found it really hard to watch as well. But it's it's a thing that happens, and one of the, the great things about this movie is that it is based on true stories. And there's a there's kind of a lesson that's written into the end of it, and it comes up and says, um, "There's no stats. In fact, there's there's always st- the FBI and those kind of agencies make stats for missing peoples, and they have it for every demographic apart from. In this movie, they actually say it's apart from one. They say it's Native American women. There's no stats on it for some reason for missing Native American women, which means that nobody knows how many are missing. Um, what? It's not exactly 100 percent true because the other demographic apparently is children." There's no stats on the amount of missing children. I can't believe that. I, I don't know whether the internet is telling me lies, which could be true, but I can't. the one that we know is definitely true is, is, for some reason, this one demographic, Native American women, it's not found. And there was a really interesting thing that happened when they were filming this, and they filmed it in like proper blizzard conditions as well, is that some local Native Americans, a certain tribe, came up to them and <coughs> started talking to them and said, there's about 12 women missing in this area at the moment. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So it's a proper fucked up thing. Um, So as as harrowing as these scenes are, as harrowing as the story is and and what happens to people, it's a story that needs to be told because, uh, you know, this stuff happens. We can't all live with our head in the clouds all the time watching Age of Ultron and that kind of stuff. As as fun as that is and as as important as escapism is from life sometimes, that I like being brought back into reality by movies sometimes and watching them and going, life is fucking cruel and there's nothing anybody can it's funny you mentioned that because I felt the same way about Gerald's game yeah it's, there's an aspect of, of life that I haven't experienced and hopefully never will have to yeah that is shown to you and it's uncomfortable but you need to see it yeah you need to be told yeah because otherwise I'll just go through life being middle class white male <laughs> and straight hopefully and uh, <laughs> to a point and I mean I'll just be characterless yeah yeah you won't ever really know the world so, um, how many Popper Doms? Um, this film I gave 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, what did I? High Popper Dom praise indeed. Yeah, 8.5 out of 10. So, like I said, acting, fantastic. Uh, especially Jeremy Renner. Elizabeth Olsen was really good. Starting to see more of, more of her in roles and the character that she plays and how she deals with the situations was really good as well. I don't think she's in enough. No, no. I think she's getting there though. Yeah, so they were really good. It, it's, still funny to I say funny I don't mean funny as in ha ha but like when you see just how how large the pool of white actors in Hollywood is versus the size of the pool of Native American actors and that kind of other minority demographic all the people who are Native Americans in this film you'll have seen them somewhere before really yeah you'll have seen them in any other role in any other movie that required someone to look to a Native American to play they will be in it and apparently quite a lot of the cast of Teen Wolf is in it as well and Twilight yeah because that's, that's the areas that they're set in so yeah see some familiar faces but it's just blindingly obvious that um, Hollywood needs to make way for more people who aren't white <laughs> you know what I mean yeah um, yeah so that's it definitely like if it's still in the cinemas at the moment go watch it oh is it yeah um, uh, I'm probably sure it'll be out on DVD and God knows how 
how soon because it's been out for two months as well so yeah I, I really want to see it you know so. this movie podcast we are on the cutting edge of, of movies and trying to make sure you get the latest <laughs> reviews all the time but I wanted to review this one because it's definitely worthwhile and uh, if you can handle that kind of um, dark uh, nature themed murder mystery horrificness um, you'll really enjoy this because the acting was phenomenal the story was great the only downside was just it's a little bit thin a little bit thin on the storyline well, I'm definitely going definitely to check it out. Yeah, sure. Um, because I think it's time I started watching some good films. Gerald's Game was good-ish. Yeah. What did you and give it again? Six seven. and a half, I think. Seven and a half? Six and a half, I gave it. I thought you gave it seven. It's between six and a half and seven. But it is a good film. <laughs> you, need to, you do need to see it. Okay. Uh, but it's flawed. It's flawed. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. It's a Stephen King film, it's going to be hard, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so now we need to do um, the game. The game, this week's game. This it's week's not really a game, is it? It's a challenge. Shalom. This is a challenge. So all the films we've done this week are kind of mashups. We had um, the, the Dark Tower, which is a mashup between a, a Western and a fantasy. We had Gerald's game. What's that? That's a, that's a sort of supernatural mashup with a yeah, and it brought in other aspects and other parts of Stephen King's uh, universe that he's created. Yeah, it's, it was a it was an overcoming of the odds film, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and then Wind River was a mashup of that sort of um, uh, man versus nature and uh, man v man, man v man sort of detective style. And so this week we challenged each other to come up with our own mashup stories. And then we'll discuss whose we think is better, as well as getting the audience. So you guys, let us know whose story you think is better. We'll put up a Twitter poll. God, I love Twitter polls. I don't think I can take it if mine doesn't win. Oh, you're going to have to. Because I have a lot of love for my... <laughs> did, you, did you find that when you were writing these that you kind of just ended up getting lost and running away with it? Yeah, I mean, mine is fucking mental. Okay. I, I think mean, yours is going to be crazier than mine is. I've gone... Mashup as mashup mad as mashup mad. As you know what gave us the idea for this as well was the the recent film um, Happy Death Day, which is the the horror film that's just come out. It's apparently doing quite well. The one where the girl gets murdered and then she keeps reliving the same day over and over again to try and figure out who the murderer was. So it's the mashup between horror Mash films up. and Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah, which it's, I hate that they keep. They have completely bled that storyline dry by now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we thought, let's bleed some more dry by writing our own mashups. <laughs> so, do you, who do you want to go first? Do you want to go first, or shall I go I first? Feel, I don't know. Um, have you got a preference? No, not at all. I'll go first, right? Because I think that yours is going to be better because of how crazy you are with your lies last week in the game. You direct kangaroos. <laughs> you direct kangaroos. That I think you might fit me to it, but. Let, let's just that, try it like this. This is all a huge, hideous lie. But go okay. On. This is a combination of a coming-of-age story, overcoming all the odds, as well as a bit of the social network and the emoji movie. I love it. You love it already, yeah. I'm going to tell you the title at the end, and the title will make it all make sense. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you a kind of synopsis to give you an idea. Okay. So... Uh, Lead character's called Don, okay? There's a reason I call him Don, but no, I'll tell you later if I can remember. Um, he's an average guy, he's an app developer, makes loads of apps, that kind of thing. 
Um, he's socially awkward, he has his nerdy group of mates, and there's a girl next door that he fancies, all those kind of cliches. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Picture Michael Sarah as the main guy. He's... I mean, I was actually picturing you, but go on. Uh, <laughs> someone more feeble than me. Michael Sarah sort of fits that. Yeah. In a way. I mean, there's not many, yeah. but he would be one. In, in the theme of casting musicians as actress, actors and actresses, I've cast, um, what's her name? I've written it down. Ariana Grande. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is the crush. Sarah, a girl next door. <laughs> I might change her character later on into um, an American FBI agent, but I've not decided yet. Anyway, so. Yeah, gotta give the females good careers. <laughs> it can't well, just be. She's gotta be it, it can either be that she's a strong character. You know what? I've got to decide right now what she's gonna be. I'm gonna stick with the girl next door because I can't think on the fly. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, one day, one of his apps becomes an overnight success. Like, everybody's downloaded it. It's a viral hit. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's thrust into fame and fortune. He's a fish out of water. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's still a normal guy, but he's like, oh my God, I don't really know what's going on. Everybody's talking about it. He kind of doesn't want it. Yeah. So then, obviously, he, during the film, he starts talking to the girl next door. She's like, oh yeah, played your app, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then they realize, he does a bit of digging, he's like, I don't understand how this one in particular has become so big, it doesn't make sense. He finds out that actually the KGB have hacked his app and inserted a bit of code that turns into a virus. So this is a real viral hit, okay? Oh, wow. And they're doing it to infect all the phones around the world so that they can control um, voting and yeah. manipulate countries is, to be able to get the people they want to. This is very current. Yeah. See? Yeah. This is good. This is like a South Park episode at the moment. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, they, they, he figures out that there's this viral code in there that helps Russians get into everybody's phones and help control um, elections and that kind of thing. In fact, at one point I've written to the story that um, uh, John Malkovich plays the main KGB man, the head of KGB who's orchestrating the whole thing, and that uh, either he controls no, this is the way it's going to be. Donald Trump is a robot that they've put in the, in the White House. That makes sense. And John Malkovich controls it and just says all these obscene <laughs> things to keep everybody distracted from what's actually going on. So the, the theme of this film, it's, 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 it's a comedy. It's definitely a comedy because you can imagine Michael Cera running around trying to solve this problem. <laughs> Well, at the same time getting shot at by KGB agents, just him going, ah, ah, Michael Cera, and that kind of thing. Um, and Ariana Grande somehow gets pulled into the mix as well because it could be that he's at home and he figures this out and she's there at the same time and all of a sudden KGB agents start running down the road trying to get him so they have to run away and that kind of thing. And then they'll meet up with uh, an American agent who comes to help him out. He's a bit dopey and it doesn't all work out. Who's, yeah, who, who plays the American agent? I'm going to say John Goodman. Oh! That's, I literally just decided that there and then. I was thinking John C. Riley, but John Goodman works. Yeah, because he's really funny as well. I think he's... Either way, either or, I'm thinking John Goodman in my head because it's my fucking movie, man. <laughs> and um, everyone likes John Goodman. Yeah, so they're, they're thrown into it. They end up going like hopping all over the world trying to skate the cheap KGB while at the same time trying to figure out how to fix this viral issue before it all goes to hell. Um, and that's pretty much it. I haven't got an ending to it yet. I wouldn't want to give away the ending anyway. I mean, this movie is going to be made, so yeah. to ruin the ending would be to slap art across the face here's where i think is the real beauty of this film and it's there's where more, the inspiration of it came from there's more beauty it's the title i've got four potential titles okay 
Right. And you'll figure out where I got the well, you, it's pretty obvious. Basically, this film is going to be called Flappy Bird, The Untold Story. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it was based on the idea of the guy who, who that made, made that Flappy app. Bird fucking hated it and, and then just took didn't it want down. it. Did he take it down? He just took it down, yeah. And this is me thinking, why did he take it down? It's because the KGB inserted a virus into it to control voting situations. I mean, that, that app was so hard, I'm glad I never downloaded it. Uh, they built it into Android. Have they? Yeah, in Android version... Marsh? No. Um, Nougat. You know, you always had that little game that they yeah. gave? Yeah, that was basically, they, they made Flappy Bird from that's it. True. So the KGB won in the end, apparently. And it's, it's all in our, all, every single Android phone that's well, in the world. That would explain why Trump is in control. <coughs> um, the other words, uh, titles I wanted to call it was the Flappy Bird effect. <laughs> A bit like the butterfly effect. Brilliant. Um, or Flappy Bird of Prey. <laughs> <laughs> And the last one was Flappy, Flappy Bird, Code Red. <laughs> Amazing. You get it? Amazing. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I, I'm, I think this is much better than I thought. Mine's crap oh, in comparison to this. No, no. I just, that I, I think this could, like, this if actually, someone told you that this, this was being made into a movie, you could believe it. Not because it's a good idea, but because this is the kind of shit that Hollywood pulls off yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, mine is very much never going to be made. But yours <laughs> actually sounds... It's feasible that something, maybe not word for word, mm. and maybe not starring John Goodman, because John C. Wright is a much better choice, but <laughs> you could genuinely see this film being made. And I can picture Michael Cera running around, kind of like uh, Morty from Rick and Morty. Yeah. Um, oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and actually, the, the whole the whole current affairs thing that uh, Russia have been tweeting about how bad it is in America whilst being in Russia, mm. uh, and you... Yeah, I'm very impressed. You know, it makes sense. This is the only way that Donald Trump could have gotten to power. Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird. The untold story. If I need to choose a title for it for, for the Twitter poll, I think I'm going to go with... Yeah, Flappy Bird, The Untold Story, I think makes most sense. I do like the other twisty titles. Maybe they can be the ones that translate to Japanese. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so in Japan it's going to call um, Flappy Feet. Sound of Wings. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yep. Excellent. All right, hit me with your, your best shot. Okay, so... Um, fire away. Fire away. I'm going to read mine out. <coughs> because I wrote mine... I've just written a, a basically a plot summary. Okay. And the plot is thin. Okay. <laughs> so, set on a distant planet, a television crew follow a veteran gladiator around for the final seven days of his career. Uh, due to retire in a week's time, Stiff E. Bulge, played by Russell Crowe, Reluctantly agrees to let the media into his life as he battles alien life forms from various planets. He's, he's the gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Russell Crowe Russell is Crow. the gladiator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, some things remind me of another film, but not all of them. <laughs> uh, so he he battles alien life forms uh, from various planets in huge coliseums, drawing in massive crowds. Mm. So after a 90-year career, because he's on a distant planet, time works differently. So he's he's worked for 90 years. Interstellar. Uh, so after a 90-year career, fan favorite Stiff. <laughs> has become jaded with the life he once loved and wishes to settle down and finally focus on raising a family and a bit of me time, as he calls it. Uh, we join the television crew as they get... So it's kind of like a mockumentary, mockumentary. documentary style. Is it a bit of Thor Ragnarok thrown in there as well? Um, it does have... I've chosen the director. Yeah. Is the... Uh, Taika Waititi. Waititi director, yeah. Got his name right this time. Um, so we join the television crew as they get behind-the-scene access to his life-battling... Sorry, to his life, battling the most feared antagonists from the film and TV universe that we know. So he fights Alien, he fights Predator, oh, okay. he fights Daleks, 
So this is almost a bit like um, Wreck It Ralph, where they bring all these like well-known franchises. It's like Wreck It Ralph and Ready Player One. Ooh. Um, and he even faces the terrifying Jar Jar Binks, who's going to be played by Miley Cyrus. Bring, <laughs> bringing in that singer's being actors all of a fucking sudden. Yeah. Like, it's just easy to do. Mm. Thanks, Elvis. Yeah. Um, the real battle is within himself, however, <laughs> as he faces his own morality after 90 years slaying foes for entertainment. Do these senseless killings make him the bad guy? Ooh. After years of attempted escapism through countless hobbies, um, he finally finds peace within himself through model trains. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. He and his father used to play with model trains and bonded. And he realises it's this bond with a fellow life that he has craved all these years. But he's been getting it wrong by slaughtering. <laughs> kind of the, the opposite end of the scale. Mm. Mm. So this leads him to form a relationship with the Queen Alien from Aliens. Uh, played by Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of relationship are we talking about? It's an affectionate one. She, he calls her Jaws affectionately. He's got two sets of jewels. Interesting. Uh, but how can love grow in a world where he slays her offspring again and again? <laughs> uh, and she spends all her time running through fields of wheat. <laughs> uh, so they bicker constantly about the small things. And she believes he spends too much time with his new hobby and not enough time developing a language with which they can communicate. So they fight and... How does he call her Jaws if she doesn't know what he's saying? <laughs> but it's not perfect. No, no, I found a plot hole, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so after a while they fight and, and he leaves after exclaiming, Are you not into trains? <laughs> <laughs> is it me? Are you, you just, not into trains? Did you just make an entire plot around that <laughs> one <laughs> sentence? Did you actually? I did have to um, crowbar in his love for model trains. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. So we see a montage uh, of Stiff going through his life killing. Um, the Smiths, there is a light that never goes out, is overplaying yeah. on one side. Uh, Jaws is becoming increasingly despondent, running through fields of wheat. Um, we, f uh, we find her in a toy shop with the cashier, who's played by a completely computer-generated Oliver Reed. Um, and he's placing an unmarked box in the bag. Um, before she leaves, she, she seems to, because no one can really understand her. She's got fucking huge teeth. No one understands. She just sort of hisses and... Lays her legs inside people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so before she leaves, she seems to ask mockingly if, if he knew Marcus Aurelius. Uh, and he simply replies, I did not say I knew him. I said he touched me on the shoulder once. Uh, he begins to believe... I feel like I didn't get that. <laughs> it's a line from Gladiator. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> so he begins... Uh, <coughs> Stiff begins to believe he'll never escape this life of fighting. Um, uh, the film culminates with Jaws coming back into his life and affixed to her piercing tail is a model train, a coveted model, which Stiff believed to be a myth and this allows him to complete his collection. It's a Pierce offering that not only completes his collection, but also completes Stiff. Wow. So Russell Crowe plays Stiff, Miley Cyrus as Jar Jar Binks, Theresa May as Jaws, CGI Oliver Reed as awkward segmented Oliver Reed impression. Directed by Taka Watiti, music by Danny Elfman. <laughs> wow. What do you think? So much to that. <laughs> just to think, it's just. Bonkers. I quite like the idea of, a, of a, a world that acknowledges other worlds. I called it, by the way, Gladiator versus Alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's it's insane in in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, it's 
Do you think it would work? Do you think it could work? <laughs> I think the only way to do it is to approach a hundred different movie um, movie studios and try and get it made and see what happens. Like anything gets made these days. We've seen that. Do you think maybe? I think it might work better as a TV show. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, it needs to be syndicated so the money flows I think either an animated thing I don't know I feel like the amount of, of money you'd have to pay out in rights would mean that this film is not profitable in the slightest because all the money would go to Ridley Scott I think we should probably <laughs> I think this movie is a strong case of um, not stopping to ask whether we could <laughs> but whether we should I think it's I think it's the opposite way around. Not stopping to ask whether we should. Just go for it. Can we? <laughs> yeah, that was a bit mental, wasn't it? That was, uh, it was fucking bonkers, but the good thing is we get to let the fans decide. I'd choose yours. Yours has, yours has actually got a decent plot. I think I would choose mine on the basis that in a weird, zany world that we live in, it could be made. I'd choose yeah. yours and the fact that it's just fucking bonkers. Yeah. yeah. I didn't take any acid before reading it, uh, writing that book. No, just during. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, cool, right. Well, if you uh, if you want to give your two cents or if you've got your own synopsis, um, fuck off with your own synopsis because this is about us. It's going to be better. Our right? podcast. If you want to do one, do your own fucking <laughs> podcast. Uh, and leave us a note on Facebook or on our Twitter poll and let us know which one you prefer and if you want to see any of these as a movie slash extended TV show that probably did it better than the movie would have done yeah uh, anyway should we sign off we should yeah. um, here's the sign off thanks for listening to the podcast um, if you want to help us get even further just give us a review uh, like and subscribe do all that kind of stuff and if you can as well tell a mate about it and share with them so they can do it too and you can follow us on social media on Facebook Twitter and Instagram to see the inside scoop Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Inside scoops. You must delicious. do, because we're 10 episodes in there, so... Yeah, yeah. You must be loving it. I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. I'm loving it like... Bye. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye.